All right, where am I? Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. We're going to talk about a very short person. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. This is what it says. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who, who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. <laughs> then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anyone, anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Precious Heavenly Father, speak to us, I pray, by the power of your word and spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In Sunday school, we used to sing this song about Zacchaeus. Anybody know it? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. We need to rescue that song. We need to rescue this story from the sandbox. Because this story has hair on its chest. This is not a children's story. This is actually a story for grown folk. Tell these people to stop texting me. I'm trying to preach. Put my phone in airplane mode or something. Just bzz, bzz, all up in my pocket. Zacchaeus. There's a few things the Bible tells us about Zacchaeus. First thing is Jesus is passing through Jericho. It says he entered into Jericho and passed through. He was just meaning to walk by. His intention was to come through and keep going, not stop. And what we find is that this man managed to change Jesus' plans. Wow. Jesus intended to just walk right, right through, and there was a whole crowd of people around him, and none of them were influential enough in the life and mind of Jesus to stop Jesus in his tracks and make him decide to come to their house, except this one man named Zacchaeus. Do you realize that it's great to be influential in this world, but the most influential people are the individuals who are able to influence God? And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you influence if you're not able to influence God. Zacchaeus 
said, the scripture says that he was a chief tax collector, which meant he oversaw all of the other tax collectors. And the tax collectors were a hated bunch in Israel because the tax collectors were Israelites. They were children of Israel. They were your own countrymen. But they worked for the government and not the Israelite government. They worked for the Romans. And they took taxes from the people of Israel and paid it to the Romans. However, they went beyond that. You see, tax collectors made a decent salary but not enough to make them rich. But this man was rich. And whenever you saw a rich tax collector, there's only one way a tax collector could become rich. If your tax was $300, he'd say, your tax is $500, Jeremy. And he would render unto Caesar that which was Caesar's. And keep the rest for himself. And so every time you saw a rich tax collector, you hated them with your soul. They were the worst kind of sinner. They robbed their own people. And they were untouchable because they worked for the government. They were government sanctioned extortioners. And they were the worst kind because they extorted their own people for personal gain. They were the scum of the earth. So this man was foul. He was not a good person. He had done some terrible things. But it said, behold, when it introduced him. It began with the word behold. And whenever you see the word behold, in the New Testament especially, it is a prophetic cry to see something that is deeper than the natural. To see something that does not appear at face value. Behold a man named Zacchaeus. Behold, the Bible says, you got to look deeper than his outward appearance you got to look deeper than his past you've got to look deeper than his sins you've got to look deeper than his behavior there was something deep going on inside the man that even his own sin was not able to stop because what was going on inside the man was a desire to see Jesus and it says he desired to see who Jesus was was I looked at that verse in the Greek and it says he desired to see Jesus who he was he desired to see Jesus but not just to get a glimpse of him the way the crowd was simply there to get a glimpse of him to see what he looked like outwardly because we heard all about this guy oh he's not as tall as I thought he was oh I thought he would be more handsome than he is Uh, oh his hair's not quite as long as I thought it was everybody's wanting to get a look at the outward appearance of Jesus and figure out what is his hair coarse or is it long and straight are his eyes blue or are they brown is his skin light or is it dark is it a black Jesus or a white Jesus or Asian Jesus or what does he look but this man didn't care about the outside he wanted to see who he was 
He wanted to get a glimpse. He wanted to look into his eyes and see who he was in the depths of the core of his being. It says, but he couldn't because of the crowd, because he was a man of short stature. He was too short to see over the crowd. Can I say something to you tonight? Every single one of us is too short to see over the crowd. That is, if you ever decide that you desire to see Jesus, there will always be a crowd between you and Jesus. And you're too short to see over the crowd. There's always a crowd of relationships between you and Jesus. You're too short to see over that crowd. There's a crowd of obligations, of many musts and oughts that you have to fulfill, and and you're too short to see over that crowd. There's there's a crowd of of desires, personal desires, longings, wishes, dreams, aspirations, visions, and you're too short to see over that crowd. There's a crowd of fears. There's a crowd of inhibitions. There's a crowd of personal failures. And there's a crowd of hurts and pains, things that were done to you that you had nothing to do with. And you're too short to see over the crowd. See, one of the things, the main thing that keeps us separated from Jesus is we can't see over the crowd. I talk to some people and, 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 and say, what keeps you from Jesus? And you say, well, you told me God was my father, but I didn't have a father in the home. And I've got this whole constellation of hurts and pains from being abandoned by my father. So I can't see God as my father. You're, you can't see over the crowd yeah. of your hurts and pains. Yeah. You can't see over the crowd of your past experiences. You can't see over the crowd of your, in, of your, your intellectual uh, tripping points. You can't see over the crowd. And most of us, many of us, sadly, simply accept that I'll just never see over the crowd. I mean, I wanted to see Jesus. God knows my heart. But I mean, this crowd, what am I supposed to do? Like, just knock down this crowd? What am I supposed to do? Just like tell my mama, forget about you? What am I supposed to do? Just kick my boyfriend out of my house? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Just quit my job? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I I supposed to do? Zacchaeus was different because he did not accept that the crowd was an insurmountable obstacle. He did accept the fact that he was too short to see over the crowd. But he did not accept the idea that the crowd was an insurmountable obstacle. That is, Zacchaeus made a decision in his heart. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get a glimpse of Jesus. Listen, in 2020, you need to make a decision that you are going to do whatever you need to do to get a glimpse of Jesus. Whatever I got to do to get a glimpse of Jesus, and you got to get it in your heart that what you are actually trying to do is to get a glimpse of Jesus. You're not trying to pray. You're trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. And prayer is simply one of the means by which you seek to get a glimpse of Jesus. I want you to hear where I'm going with this. It says, and running ahead and climbing up. That's what it says. Zacchaeus did two things. First, 
He ran ahead. Who did he run ahead of? He ran ahead of the, the crowd. Sometimes to run ahead of the crowd, you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning because the crowd ain't up at 5 a.m. Sometimes to get ahead of the crowd, you got to stay up a little bit later because sometimes the crowd goes to sleep at 11 and maybe from 11 to 12 is, is when you can climb up in your tree. Sometimes to get ahead of the crowd, you've got to go lock yourself in a room at your lunch hour at work. Sometimes to get ahead of the crowd, you've got to drive the commute instead of getting on BART because you know in your car by yourself, you're going to have some time. In other words, you need to figure out what you need to do to get ahead of the crowd. He ran ahead of the crowd and then he climbed up in a tree. Two things to position himself to get a glimpse of Jesus. You know what religion is? Religion is going through the motions without actually trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. So I pray every day. Yeah, but you're just, you're praying to pray. I mean, you're praying because that's just what you know what a Christian thing is supposed to do every day. So then you could say, I prayed every day. Yes, but when was the last time you got a glimpse of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. My brother was telling me, my brother's a, 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 like a personal trainer. And, uh, you know, I ask him for advice all the time as I'm trying to, you know, get myself together. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, you know, when I work out, he says, I focus on, I, I, when, I'm, when I'm doing any exercise, I'm asking myself the question, am I actually feeling the tension in the muscle that I'm intending to work right now? Whoa, that's good. Yeah. He said, so if I'm doing curls, I'm asking myself, if I'm working my bicep, am I actually feeling that in my bicep? And he said, so if I'm not feeling it in my bicep yet, and I get to the 12th rep, and I intended to do 12, 12 reps, I'm going to go on. I might do... I might do 18 reps. Why? Because the goal is not to do 12 reps. The goal is actually to build my bicep. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> is your goal to spend 15 minutes in prayer or is it to actually get a hold of Jesus? Wow. And if you haven't gotten a hold of him after the 15th minute, will you go on to the 16th or the 20th minute? Are you willing to linger a little longer until you actually get a hold of Jesus? Is it just to read the Bible or is it to hear from God? If you didn't hear from God at the end of the third chapter, are you going to read a fourth or a fifth chapter? Are you going to linger a little longer? Otherwise, you're going through the religious motions, but you're still allowing the crowd to separate you from Jesus. And you find yourself going through these motions for years. And you go, man, I've been a Christian for 27 years. And I don't feel any closer to God than I did 27 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, you need to run ahead of the No, I've been running. I've been running. Yeah, but you stop before you get ahead of the crowd. Wow. I've been climbing. You just haven't climbed high enough. Wow. I want you to understand what this experience was like for little Zacchaeus. First of all, do you know how funny he must have looked running? I mean, like running ahead of everybody. Where is he going? 
The crowd is just hanging out. But Zacchaeus is running seemingly away from the crowd. When Zacchaeus began to run away from the crowd, people must have thought that he was running away from Jesus. He don't want Jesus. Wow. It's interesting that sometimes people can think of you the opposite of what's reality. It's called judgment. Here's what's playing out in this whole story that's unseen, that's invisible. Do you know the three functions of the devil? In order to overcome him, you've got to know the three functions that you're actually overcoming. There's really only three functions. The first function is the Bible calls him the tempter. That's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Jesus, uh, it said the tempter. He was the tempter came to him after he had fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. Then the tempter came. First thing the devil does is tempt. And temptation really has two components. The first component is uh, he stirs up one of your own sinful desires. And the second component is he belittles the severity of the impending sin. So that's what temptation really is, is he says, come on, you should do this. And then he says, and by the way, it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. It's really it's just, it's just a little thing, and it's just a one-time thing, and it's not bad, and it's yeah. real. Come on, man, you got it. You know, you're only human, and you're, you know. That's what he just rationalizes, belittles, diminishes. Yeah. The second function of the devil is he's the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. And that's Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, right? He's the accuser of the brethren, which means he accuses you, which the function of accusation is the enlargement of sin. So... Before you sin, when he's the tempter, he says, it's not a big deal. But then after you sin, he goes, do you know how big that is? <laughs> so he belittles it on the front end, and then he magnifies it on the back end, and then goes, I'm going to go tell God on you. He accuses them before the throne of God. He goes to God, did you see what your son is doing down? You see what your daughter just did? That's why you experience, you know, all of this like rationalization in your mind. And then after you've messed up, you go, oh, my God, I'm going to hell. Yeah. Before you messed up, you're like, eh. <laughs> and then after you mess up, you go, I'm going to hell. Yeah. You know why? Because first you were dealing with the tempter. Yeah. And then you were dealing with the accuser. Yeah. So to overcome the devil, first you've got to overcome the tempter. And when you overcome, and here's how you know you overcome the tempter. You've overcome the tempter when he stops tempting you. Meaning, there's a point of victory from temptation where the enemy says, I'm going to leave you. He says, I'm going to leave you alone in this area because it's just not worth my time. I'm going to leave you for till an opportunity. He's going to try to find some other way to tempt you. And then you're going to have to overcome the tempter in that area. But you know what? He still functions as the accuser. How? Because he has the history of every place in your life where you've already fallen to his temptation. Yeah. So if he can't get you on the temptation end, then he simply keeps leveling accusations. Yeah. The accuser. Now imagine you're Zacchaeus and you've been living foul mm -hmm. for years. Yeah. And everyone knows that you're foul. Why? Because you're wearing a tax collector's uniform. 
and you're rich, you got a Bentley chariot. And now there's this prophet of God, man of God. He doesn't know, he has no theology about this being the son of God. It's just, he's here, this prophet from Nazareth is here and I want to get a glimpse of him. And now he's running ahead of the crowd and you've got to be thinking to run ahead of the crowd means to run away from the crowd means to draw attention to yourself. Everybody's going to see me and think, where is this fool going? There goes that sinner now. Who does he think he is? Do you know what it's like the first time you lift your hands in church? <coughs> you know? Do you remember, the, for those of you who have been walking with the Lord, do you remember when you first started lifting your hands? Didn't you feel that accusation of the enemy? Like, what are you doing lifting your hands? <laughs> People are going to look at you thinking, what is he doing? What is she doing? She knows she ain't feeling nothing. She ain't even living right. She ain't supposed to... What is wrong with him lifting his hands? Don't you just feel that self-conscious? Ooh, everybody's looking at me. Especially some of your friends are at church and you're like. You're just trying to run ahead of the crowd. And the tempter and the, the accuser of the brethren is following close behind you to tell you, you don't deserve, you don't deserve to see Jesus. Who do you think you are that you're going to see Jesus? The best you could be is a member of the crowd. So just go mingle back into the crowd, disappear into the crowd, be yeah. nameless and faceless, and forget about ever seeing Jesus. The best you could do is follow the crowd. Wow. Everybody's going to church? I'll go to church. Wow. Everybody's praying? Okay, I'll pray too. Mm. Now he gets to the tree. And this is a grown man. Wearing a robe. Yeah. <laughs> and forgive me for saying this, but a, sh a, a very short grown man. Not making fun of him, just saying. That's also a dip that adds to the difficulty of it. Yeah. And the foolishness of it. He's going to climb up in this tree. Where now everybody can see him up in this tree. Can you imagine the crowds coming by? Look at that. Do you see that fool up in this tree? What is this? Snapping pictures, putting him on Snapchat and Instagram stories and face. <laughs> How'd they do that back in the day? They're like, draw that real quick. Draw, draw, <laughs> sketch that on this rock. You know, carve that in. We're not going to forget this. <laughs> There'd be carved. There's probably ancient carvings of Zacchaeus up in a tree. <laughs> Jerusalem Graham. <laughs> and think about it. In order for him to climb up in that tree, his longing to see Jesus had to have exceeded his longing for self-protection. He was no longer fearful of exposure. Because all of us have a fear of exposure. Yeah. You ever had that dream where you're butt naked in public? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That dream? Or where you realize you're not wearing no pants or something like that, you know what I mean? And then you try to run but you can't? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> You've had that dream, right? You know what I'm talking about? I, I've had several of those. I had a dream. I had a dream one time. I was preaching. I was preaching at this huge church. And I'm sitting up on the platform, and just as they start to introduce me, I realize I had to pee so bad. So I run out the side door, and I'm searching through the hallways for a bathroom. And I hear them introducing me, and, and I can't find a bathroom. And then I can't get back into the sanctuary. And I'm like, help! And I'm just locked in these hallways by myself, and I can't get in there introducing me, and I can't preach. right? Because, and so I had the microphone, so I start preaching in the hallway. <laughs> You know, but it's just one of those fear of embarrassment, fear of being exposed, fear of sticking out. Zacchaeus, his longing for Jesus had to exceed his fear of exposure. So much so that he was willing to deal with the ridicule of the people. Because not only is he a sinner, but now he's a sinner who's up in a tree like a fool. How does he get through this? He simply decides to keep his eyes on Jesus. You know, when you really set your heart to seek the Lord, you're going to look like a fool for a while. And you're going to feel like a fool for a while. Just try it. Try getting up early in the morning and spend time in prayer. You'll fear that your family members will hear you. And then you'll want your family members to hear you. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I go back and forth from, I don't want them to hear me. And then, no, I want them to hear me. And then I feel ashamed for wanting them to hear me. No, the Lord, that's pride. <laughs> To seek the Lord, you've got to go through this internal battle where you're trying to run ahead of the crowd and you're trying to climb up in the tree. God has tremendous blessings in 2020 for those who are willing to run ahead of the cloud, the crowd and climb up in the tree. That is, make the decision to do whatever is necessary to get a glimpse of Jesus. And here's the hardest part. He climbs up in that tree and now he's got to wait. That waiting period is hard. That's the hardest part. It's the hardest part of prayer. The hardest part of seeking God's face. The essence of discipleship. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. The essence of discipleship is this. Seek Jesus every day and don't quit. I have a cousin who called me one day and he, I, we went out, we had lunch together and he was telling me why he doesn't believe in Jesus and what he said shook me to the very core of my being. He said, I got on my knees, I literally got on my knees and I opened up my Bible and I read where it said in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I read in Romans where, it's, where he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And he said, and I prayed the prayer of faith there on my knees. 
I said, Lord, here I am. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Come and take me as your own. Here I am. And he said, nothing happened. And he said it with tears rolling down his face. Nothing happened. And he concluded from that that Jesus is not real. I was broken to the core. It broke my theology for a moment. Because I thought somebody asked Jesus to save them and he didn't? Somebody asked Jesus to come into their life and he didn't? That was just so troubling. I wept. It hurt my soul. And I went home and I got on my knees and I started to seek the Lord. I said, Lord, you got to give me understanding. And you know what the Lord said to me? I did save him. He just stopped following. He was expecting a crisis event, a power encounter, bolts of lightning from the sky, angelic visitations dancing around the room, oil and wine flowing and miracles and a wave of revival. He was expecting this crisis event when actually it's more of a daily walk. Because sometimes you simply got to go climb up in a tree and wait. And in fact, even the most powerful men and women of faith that have ever walked this earth, if you talk to any of them and ask them, what is it like for you seeking God every day? They'll they'll tell you that 90 percent of the time I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. I'm not having constant angelic visitations. It's simply a daily walk. What was missing was simply the daily practice of running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in the tree and waiting for Jesus. And here is the crazy part. If you run ahead of the cloud, the crowd, I keep saying cloud. <laughs> I'm saying it in Konglish. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you run ahead of the crowd, and climb up in the tree and wait for Jesus, you will see him. That's right. You will see him. He will surely come. You can't seek him and he not come. You can't look for him and not find him. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Ask and you shall receive. For everyone who seeks finds and everyone who asks receives. And to everyone who knocks, the door is open to them. You can't ask him to come and him not come into your heart. You can't ask him to change you and him not change you. You can't ask him to heal your heart and your life and him not begin immediately to heal your heart and your soul. The problem is you don't get to experience the finished project, the product, the finished product in one day or in one moment in one prayer meeting. You got to keep walking with him. And the Lord comes and he stands under the tree and he stops. Everyone else is looking up, judging. But Jesus looks up, loving. Everyone else is knowing this man by his past. But Jesus is knowing this man by his heart. That's good. Everyone else knows what this man has done, but Jesus knows what God has done. Yeah. 
Everyone else knows what this man has done. Jesus knows what the Holy Spirit has done. Jesus knows that a sincere desire to see and to know Jesus has been born in his heart. And when Jesus sees that a sincere desire to know him has been born in your heart, he immediately begins to look past your failures and your shortcomings. And, and, and he begins to look past everything's wrong. He doesn't see what's wrong with you anymore. All of a sudden, he begins to see what's right with you. And Jesus looks up at him with a smile when everyone else is looking at him with a scowl. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. How do you know my name? I know everybody's name. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for I must stay or dwell in your house today. And it says Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Looking into the eyes of Jesus was all the acceptance that he did, all the, all the acceptance that he needed. Yeah. Even though the crowd was still, still scowling at him, yeah. he was rejoicing because Jesus was smiling at him. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Looking into the eyes of Jesus was all Zacchaeus needed to overcome the power of the tempter and the accuser. And you know the third function of the devil? I didn't give it to you earlier. He's the adversary. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be on your guard for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Adversary, the word in the Greek literally means one who stands against. Actually, do you know the Hebrew word for adversary? Satan. Whenever the word Satan is used, it's the word adversary. One who stands against. He opposes you. If he can't tempt you or accuse you, he'll simply oppose you. And when he opposes you, he's simply trying to stand between you and your destiny. And to, all he's trying to do is intimidate you and tell you that you have no power to enter into it. Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. I must dwell in your house today. Jesus says this publicly before the man has changed, before the man has repented, while he's still rich off the backs of the people. He hasn't made anything right, and Jesus knows that something has been made right in his heart that the people can't see. Jesus sees it, and Jesus doesn't care what the people think. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. And it says, and they said, who is they? The religious people. The church folk. The folks who have been members for about 15 years. Look, look at what they say. I got to read it. Verse 7. But when they saw it. Luke doesn't even dignify they with a name. 
He doesn't even identify the they when they saw it. When they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. There goes Jesus again, dining with sinners. Always going to be with sinners. Why doesn't he go to the home of a righteous person? A deacon or an elder? A bishop or a pastor? An apostle? No, he's got to go to the home of a sinner. Can I tell you something? The world will always know you by your past. Why? And here's the saddest part of it. We Christians are experts at this. We Christians, without knowing it, become the voice of the accuser of the brethren. The very people who were following Jesus actually began to accuse Jesus. Notice they don't accuse, they think they're accusing Zacchaeus. What they don't realize is that they're actually accusing Jesus. This man is a guest in the house of a sinner. They think they're pointing the finger. See, what you don't realize is that when you point the finger at a child of God and level an accusation against them, you're actually accusing Jesus. We're so good at it. Is Kanye really saved? Or is it fake? But have you seen everything he's done? Have you seen everything he said in the past? Don't you get it? We're so good at leveling accusations. What we're, all we're saying is, I only know you by your past. Saul of Tarsus has his vision of Jesus and tries to go to church right after, but they're so busy knowing him by his past, they say, no, we don't want you in this church. We know what you did. In 2020, God's going to send some folks to us who have done some messed up stuff. And the only difference, and I'll just say this, the only difference between you and them is that we're going to know their messed up stuff. But don't nobody know your messed up stuff. Because a judgmental Christian is simply someone whose messed up stuff has not yet been revealed. <laughs> That's good. And in actuality, mark my words, the more judgmental a believer, the more messed up that believer actually is. And often it's the very thing that we hate that we battle the most. It's only after Jesus says to Zacchaeus, oh, I got another point here. You're running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in a tree. 
You're not married to that. You're married to Jesus. If you're running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in the tree, it's like your, your time with God every day. Your Bible reading, whatever it is, your, your prayer, your worship. Jesus called him down out of his Bible reading. Jesus called him out of his fast. You can be so married to the thing that you do to run ahead of the crowd that Jesus can't even call you out of it. I got, I got to fast for seven more days. <laughs> yeah. Jesus starts to do stuff in your life, but not during your prayer time. It's like, no, 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 Lord, you need to wait till 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> and he's drawing you aside at 3 p.m. You know what he's doing? He's calling you out of your tree. When he wakes you up in the middle of the night, he's calling you out of your tree sometimes. Yeah. When he's asking you to go share the gospel with someone that you see on the street, sometimes he's just calling you out of your tree. And sometimes we don't know any form of obedience than the kind of obedience that constitutes our running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in the tree. The only thing we know how to do is run ahead of the crowd and climb up in the tree. Do you realize that when Jesus meets you and calls you down out of the tree, you actually don't need the tree anymore? And for some of us in 2020, many of us, God's going to call us out of our tree. Smith Wigglesworth had probably the most powerful healing ministry of the 20th century. And somebody was asking him about his prayer life. And he, they thought he was going to say, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I spend four hours straight in prayer every morning. And he said, no, 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 no. I said, I, he said, I never pray for more than 15 minutes at a time. He said, my prayer, my prayer times are like 15 minutes max. It's like, that's just, this is, this is the most powerful healing ministry of the 20th century. It's like, this is just, I just, I can't spend more than like 15 minutes in prayer. And they're like, wow, that's crazy. He goes, yeah, but uh, I never go more than 15 minutes without praying, though. (laughs) 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 I never pray more than 15 minutes, and I never go more than 15 minutes without praying. What that, you know what that is? That's a life that's consumed with Jesus. No, No need for a tree. It's just a daily walk. It's called intimacy, where I'm just being drawn. I don't need an alarm clock to wake me up and remind me to breathe. (laughs) Some of us love our tree more than we actually love Jesus. Jesus is trying to call you out of your tree. You're like, no, I need to see Jesus. It's like, I'm right here. He goes, I know. Come down from your tree. No, no, no. I need, I'm waiting to see Jesus. And then he just says, oh, oh well, and he passes on by. <laughs> you're still up there waiting to see Jesus. If, you're, if the old way of doing stuff is not producing anything for you anymore, maybe Jesus already passed by that. If you're still doing what you did 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago, maybe even a year ago, maybe Jesus has already passed under that tree and he's calling you to do something else. All right, that, that was a backtrack thing, going back now. He's in the house with the Zacchaeus. 
Sorry, preaching at 11 o'clock at night is not easy. I started getting sleepy at eight. This is, this is the first one of these in my 40s. That's a, that's a different animal. Last time I was 38, that's a completely different beast. I, I, need to, I need to read this to you because you need to see exactly how this plays out. They, when they saw it, they all complained saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, not to them. You know what's crazy about this whole thing? Neither Zacchaeus nor the Lord say anything to them. There's a whole crowd around Jesus, and he's only talking to one person, Zacchaeus. And there's a whole crowd around Zacchaeus, and he's only talking to one person, Jesus. Jesus and Zacchaeus are locked on each other to the extent that they don't even hear anybody else. Or if they do, they just ignore it. Jesus doesn't respond to it, and Zacchaeus doesn't respond to it. And here's the problem when Jesus is not responding to the accusations leveled against you, but you are. You're turning to look at the crowd and go, well, I'm trying to get right. The whole crowd followed Jesus to Zacchaeus' house to come in and and criticize the man. Are we going to Zacchaeus? Mm, I want to see what he bought with my money. (laughs) They come up in the house. "Mm -hmm, Look at that coffee table made out of marble, marble coffee table. Floor made out of the cedars of Lebanon. Shoo. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the text here. I completely lost the text because I'm in airplane mode. Safari cannot open the page because your phone is not connected to the internet. (laughs) Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Did Jesus ask him for that? Did Jesus command him to do that? Was there any rule that he had to do that? Was there any scripture in the Bible that he had to do that? When people start repenting of their own accord, that's when you know a real work of the Holy Spirit is at work in them. And when repentance goes beyond words to actual restitution, I'm actually going to do something differently. That's when you know there's a real work of the Holy Spirit going on. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, to who? Jesus said to who? To them? No. Jesus said to him, I'm not talking to them. Now watch what Jesus says to him. Today, salvation has come to this house. I want you to imagine, you're Zacchaeus, right? Jesus all these people are listening. And this is what Jesus says, looking right into Zacchaeus' eyes. Today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. 
Jesus says to him, he, instead of you. Meaning, I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to them. <laughs> I know y'all are listening. <laughs> Today, salvation has come to this house because he is a child of Abraham. I know you think he's a child of the devil, but he's a child of Abraham. I know you remember what he did wrong, but I'm looking not at what he did, but what God did. And now Jesus is looking at the crowd. For the son of man came to seek and to save. That which is lost. That's the end. He leaves it at that as if he's saying. Anybody else remember? This man realized it and climbed up in a tree. And that's why I changed my plans. I was only supposed to pass through this city, but I stopped. Jesus will stop and come into the house of anyone who realizes that they're lost. And who realizes it so deeply that they're willing to run ahead of the crowd and climb up into a tree. Can I say something to you? This is not a salvation sermon. I mean, it could be. Like, if you don't know Jesus, we can get that taken care of tonight. This altar can become your tree tonight. There's nothing more I love than seeing people who don't know Jesus discover him for the first time. How powerful. I mean, that's just awesome. But when I say this isn't a salvation sermon, when I say something is a salvation sermon, the rest of the church feels safe. (laughs) Oh, thank God. It's just for the four people up in here who don't know Jesus. And then I'm looking around to see if I can figure out who they are. That haircut gave it away. Because <laughs> nobody with a hairstyle like that actually knows God. <laughs> you ain't safe. Mm-mm. I continue to be reminded in my walk with Christ that I'm never so spiritual that I become tall enough to see over the crowd. That the moment I stop running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in the tree, I begin to lose sight of Jesus. This whole year is about moving with God. You want to talk about moving with God? You've got to be in proximity to him to move with him. You see, the crowd was not moving with God. They were moving with the crowd. And just hoping Jesus is up in there somewhere. Are you moving? I'm following Jesus. How do you know? I don't know. The crowd's going this way. I think Jesus is up there. I think Jesus is moving with Jesus. So if the crowd, I'm just going with the crowd. You're just following the crowd. You're not actually following Jesus. You're following the crowd. 
Why? Simply because at some point you stopped running ahead of the crowd and climbing up in the tree. You, you stopped making the decision. You know what? It's been too long since I've gotten a glimpse of Jesus. It's been too long since I've seen him in the sanctuary and beheld his power and his glory. It's been too long since I experienced his presence and his power and his glory. It's been too long since I touched the hem of his garment. It's been too long since I got a word from him. worship team come back so tonight we're going to spend a few minutes running ahead of the cloud the crowd yes. <laughs> we're going to run ahead of the crowd yes. so that 2020 can find us waiting There is nothing in this world that is more valuable than seeing Jesus. Yes. When Paul spoke of the end of his life, he said, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Who gets the crown? Those who love his appearing. Yes. What does it mean to love his appearing? It means to long to get a glimpse of Jesus. I want to see Jesus who he is. Anything less is empty religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. People come to church for all kinds of reasons. I'm longing to live a more moral life. I'm longing to live by a higher set of values. I'm longing to do something for God. You know how they talk about that. You were at the club last night. Now it's time to go do something for God on Sunday morning. Longing to get right, longing to be healed, longing to be put back together again, longing to get myself together so I can be a better husband or better. And all of that stuff is secondary, tertiary. Primary is I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus, any desire, listen, pursuing God with anything less than a desire to see Jesus is religion. It's just religion. And it doesn't influence him at all. He's influenced by this little guy who had messed up in a hundred different ways, but he simply wanted to see Jesus. Do you know what cleans the slate? No matter how badly you've messed up in 2019, if you start 2020 with a pure desire to see Jesus, it cleans the slate. Isn't that crazy? That's it. That's it. That's right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you've messed up a thousand different ways, but if the Lord looks at your heart in the last moments of 2019 and sees that you're entering in the new year with a new desire to see Jesus and you're focusing all of your energy on that, Lord, I want to see Jesus. I want to get a glimpse of Jesus. Cleans the slate. Let's just worship just for a couple minutes. And as we worship, we're going to open up this altar. And anyone who wants to come and, and say, you know what? I need my desire to see Jesus.